Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, Thanksgiving is coming up this week, and we do have a lot to be thankful for. And last week, Pastor Jacob really hit on eight reasons why in this thankful series, we should be the most thankful people in the world. But I I had this kind of off the topic thought as he was preaching last week is this question, if we should be, if we know we should be the most thankful people in the world, what keeps some of us from being thankful? What keeps it? Why is it so difficult at times for us to be full of thanks? I, I believe we get caught in traps. I, I, just, I just believe we do that. I, I think the enemy doesn't have any power. So he try to utilize the resources around us to distract us from the things that God has given us. Amen. It's what he does. He doesn't have power unless God gives it to him. So he distracts and he traps Matter of fact, I I think that most of us get trapped in these two traps that make us kind of unthankful or ungrateful at times. The first one I'm calling, it's called the comparison trap. Come on. Anybody been ever trapped in the comparison trap? Okay. For those of you who did not raise your hand, you're lying in church. We've all been there because we're those people that we go on there, right? We go online or wherever we go or we see a picture of ourselves. Watch this. And we all know if you see a picture of it's like a you and a large group of people, you zoom in on yourself. Don't lie. You're laughing because you zoom in on yourself and you're going, oh, my, my hair. Look at her hair. It looks so much better than my hair right now. Or for you guys, he actually has hair. How did he have that? And, and, and we're there and we, we compare. Technology is one of the greatest things that we have that we can talk to somebody over in China that's, you know, thousands of miles away. We can FaceTime right now. But it's also one of the most things that trap us because we're able to go on and see how good everyone's life is compared to our life. Instagram is one of the biggest kind of culprits. We go on Instagram and, and everything, it's like, Oh, they have the perfect life. I wish I could have that life, right? You go, you go in there and they're like making this meal for their family. And it's like a mother of like 17 kids. And like, it's like this like amazing dinner and she's sprinkling parsley on it. And like, it's all like really good. And the plates are all lined up. But how many know that? That's not reality. Because no one's showing you afterwards when plates are thrown everywhere. Kids are crying, throwing food at one another, Right. It's like it looks perfect because it's a highlight reel. And what the comparison trap does is it gets our eyes to look at other people, what they have instead of what God has given us. We begin comparing each other. We begin comparing all the things. It's like, watch this. Of course, everybody's going to put good things on social media. Like, do you think I show my kids from my football days? Do you think I show them when I got knocked out? Absolutely not. I show them when I'm making a tackle. I show, they're like, dad, you're good. I'm like, I know I was good. Thank you. But I'm like, you're better. You know, and I, I just like that, that humble brag right there. But we end up comparing all the time, physically, socially, 
economically, financially. We get comparing and comparison will always kill your thanks. Because we're looking at everything else instead of what God has for us. Can I just say, especially in the Christian realm, we compare. We compare our journeys. We compare our faith to one another. We compare. We go, man, I I wish I had faith like them. Well, if I had what they had, I would be faithful too. We compare our journeys with one another and our eyes get off of what God has given to us. We get trapped. I think the second trap that we get caught in, I'm calling this, this trap the past perspective trap. The past perspective trap. This is when we have a hard time being thankful because we're not living in the now, we're living in the past. We're living in the past highs and we're living in the past lows. You know, being a former football player and, and when people learn that I, I played for the Saints, they automatically want to start talking about football, which I'm totally good with. I'll talk about football all day long. But for some reason, especially guys that are, let me just say it, are a little insecure, they come up to me and they want to talk about their football days. And, and I love them. God bless you. If you've done that, God bless you. you I, I, I celebrate you. But for some reason, when they find out that I played football and this happens, whether I'm at the, you know, sports complex or wherever I am, they come up and they're like, oh, you played for the Saints? I was like, yeah, that was a long time ago, man. Like it was like 2011 was my last year. Like, this is a different game. Different. He's like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> you know, I, I, I played in high school as well. I was like, oh, cool. He's like, I was starting quarterback. We went to the first round of the playoffs, but we lost. It wasn't my fault. My line wasn't very good. I'm like, okay, great. Yeah, and they start, he starts talking about his glory days. And it's really bad when they start talking about junior high, right? You're going way back there, man. You're 50 years old and you're going back to junior high right now, right? And what, I'm, what I'm getting at is we begin living in the past. We begin living out the glory days, the highs. We begin saying, well, I had it better back then. What about now? You see, the Israelites had a problem with this in Exodus chapter 15 because the Exodus in the Old Testament is all about the story of the Israelite people, their march out of slavery, out of Egypt, into the promised land, that God had a better place for them. But the problem is they had to go through a desert to get there. And each step along the way, God provided for them. He provided manna and quail. And both of those things they complained about. Come on. They complained. And in Exodus 15, we see that the people of God began complaining about what they had. And here's what they said to Moses. They said, Moses, we just, we should have gone back. We should just go back to Egypt right now. Listen to this. They're so living in the past and they're so ungrateful. They would rather go back to slavery. You see, that's what happens when we live in the past. When we have a past perspective, we want to go back to what is unhealthy instead of celebrating the health that God has given us. But some of us, you're living in your highs in the past, but past perspective trap can, you can also live in your lows. You can also live with the wound of a father or a parent who left you. And you carry that and you carry that and you carry that. But for some reason, you're always looking back saying how people hurt you. Watch this. You have a victim mentality that you cannot escape. You will never be grateful with a victim mentality. 
You just can't. And I'm so sorry that people hurt you, pastors hurt you, friends hurt you. But living in the past will never make you grateful for the now. And it traps you in a place where you can't see that God's blessings are right around the corner if we just continue on. Continue on. It traps us. Because at the end of the day, we have to give thanks for the here, the now. Why, Pastor Chris? Because it is God's will for us. It is actually a command. We are to give thanks. Here's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. He's talking to the church at Thessalonica and he's telling them this. Be thankful in all what? Circumstances. He doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. He says be thankful in all circumstances. Watch this. Why? For it is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. He's saying for those who are born again believers in Jesus, it is God's will for us to be thankful. It is God's command to us to be thankful. It is what God is requiring us to do. Why? Because we don't live like the world lives. We're not gonna preach doom and gloom. We're not gonna see doom and gloom because we know the end is already won. The victory is in Jesus. He's coming back, will come back and has redeemed the world. We believe that. We have a different perspective. And at the end of the day, listen to this. This is so big. Don't miss this. At the end of the day, the measure of your trust in God is shown through the measure of your thanks to God. I'm going to say that again. The measure of your trust in God is shown through the measure of your thanks to God. You want to see a person who trusts God? See how much they thank God. Because trust and thanks are always bound together. I've never seen a person that thanks God but doesn't trust them. Think about it for a moment. Think about how those two things correlate. Why is that, Pastor Chris? Because giving thanks isn't for God. Giving thanks is for us. God doesn't need our thanks. He's God. He doesn't like, oh, I wish Jimmy would just say thank you, right? Parents, I know you're like that. We're like that all the time. Like, just say thank you already. Like, he's not doing that. God's going, I don't need anything from you. I want everything for you. I want everything for you. I want you to give thanks because giving thanks changes us. It does something to us, doesn't it? So how do we give thanks in a way that changes us? How do we give thanks in a way the Bible commands us to do, to be full of thanks? How can we do that? This morning, I want to open our Bibles to the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 17, where we are going to learn from a leper. Everybody say leper. I didn't say leopard. I said leper. Okay. Leopard is an animal. We're, gonna, we're not going that way. But we're going to take our cue this morning uh, from a short story from the gospel of Luke. And we're going to read together and then we're going to break it down. I want to give you three things after we read and then we're going to close. We're starting in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. You might be familiar with this story. It's a great story. Here's what it says. Verse 11, Luke 17 says this. On the way to Jerusalem, he, that's Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers 
who stood at a distance, verse 13, and they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now pause for a moment. Luke is the author of the gospel of Luke. Now the gospels are a biography of Jesus's life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the gospels. They're biographies of Jesus's life, his ministry, what he did, and the disciples that followed him. And the crazy part about Luke was Luke was a physician. And so this is a personal, professional perspective from a, a physician who was looking at 10 lepers. Now, many of us are going like, what's leprosy? Lepers? Are you saying leopards, Pastor? No, 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 I'm saying lepers. It's the disease of leprosy. It is still around today, but most of us have no idea what that is. And especially back in the first century, back in the Old Testament times, it's easy to miss the significance of this story because leprosy was a skin disease that wasn't just a physical ailment. Watch this. It was a social and emotional ailment as well. What it did was isolate you from the rest of society. Now, leprosy was a skin disease that would deaden your nerves. And so you they would walk around and you would see these pieces of their face, their hands, their extremities falling off, toes, noses, ears. Why? Because what would be harmful to a regular person where we would feel something is hot, they would touch it and become deformed. They would lose feeling. So it's, it's not just a skin disease. They looked like, I mean, just walking zombies, let's be honest. And so I'm setting the stage here for what Luke is trying to describe to us. You can imagine a lonely life. You couldn't touch your kids. You couldn't go near your wife. Leviticus 13 says the old law said you needed to stand at a distance. You notice how Luke said they stood at a distance and yelled. It said you had to be 50 steps from them. 50 steps. That's pretty... I mean, that's pretty specific, isn't it? I mean, like 50 steps. Like whose steps? My steps, your steps. I mean, how? And not only did you have to stand at 50 steps, you had to be distanced from everybody. You had to live outside the city. You had no friends, no family, no contact, except the other lepers that were with you. It was a very isolated time. And not only did you have to be away from everybody, you had to be 50 steps, but if anyone ever came near you that didn't have the disease, you had to scream out, unclean. Now, imagine if you came in and you had a cold this morning. Sniffles. Some of you are laughing because you know where I'm going with this. And every time you had to get around somebody, you had to go, unclean, unclean. It might be easier to avoid sicknesses. That would be great. But imagine how that would make people feel. Think about the words that they're speaking. You guys know the words we speak are powerful. The Bible says there's life and death. There's power in the tongue. So when they're saying unclean, they're speaking about what they are. And don't you think that is sticking to them? I'm unclean. I'm unclean. I'm unworthy to be hugged and loved, to be next to. I am unclean. But I want you to notice what happens in Luke because this is huge. Did you notice that the lepers, they didn't say unclean when Jesus came near. They said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Why? 
because I think they recognized the authority of Jesus to set them free. They weren't worried about how they were going to yell unclean. They said, have mercy on us, Jesus. You see, when we get around Jesus, our words need to change because he has the authority to set us free. Have mercy on us, he said. So what does Jesus do? Does he just like, Expelitramos. No, no, he didn't heal. Did he do that? Did he mud? Did he spit in the mud like he did that one time and throw it at him from a distance? No. Did he get his hands on him and then pray this heavenly prayer? No. Here's what he does. Luke chapter 17, verse 14. Right after that, he says, when he saw them, when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. So he doesn't make this spectacle. He doesn't make this grand gesture. He just says, go show yourselves to the priest. Why would he tell them to do that? Because in those times, the priests were the only one that had the authority to examine a leper and pronounce him clean or unclean. But here's the crazy part. They're standing there and Jesus like, you 10, just 10. Okay, you guys go show yourself to the priest. Now, if I'm standing there and I'm a leper, They were not clean yet. They were just standing there and they're like, have mercy on us, Jesus. And he's like, go show yourself to the priest. And they're like, okay. They're all probably looking around like going like, what? Why would we go show ourselves to the priest? He's just gonna tell me I'm unclean, just like I'm screaming out all the time. But instead of them doubting, Instead of them worrying about what others are going to think, instead of them just sitting and wallowing in their own filth, Luke says this. It says that, and as they went, everybody say, as they went. As they went, they were cleansed. It wasn't when they stood there and received a blessing. It wasn't when they wallowed. It was, I'm going to step out and obey. And as I obey, God's going to heal me on the way. He's going to heal me on the way. How many know? I'm a huge proponent of prayer, and I believe that supernaturally God can move in an instant and heal. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've experienced, I've seen a little boy get his sight back who was blind. I've seen miracles happen in front of me in an instant. But how many of you know, sometimes God says, I just want you to obey. And as you obey on the way, I'm going to, I'm going to transform you from deformed to transformed and cleansed because it's really not about the healing. It's about us trusting and believing that God can do more than we can ask or imagine. And so these 10 lepers then begin to go on their way and something begins to change. They go from deformed to transformed, from unclean to clean. And it happened all on the way. Now imagine the conversation. Let's just pull back for a second. Imagine the conversation with these 10 who are like, all right, the priest, he's down there to the left, three houses down. Okay, cool. You know, and they start walking and they're like, where are we going? Why are we walking this? He's just going to tell us we're unclean. And all of a sudden, Things start coming back in their fingers, their toes, their noses start healing, ears, right? Imagine the joy that was on them. Imagine what they began to feel. And here's how it ends. Just imagine that. Imagine that your whole life you lived alone, separated from your family. You couldn't go near anyone. You had to scream all about your sicknesses that were in you to everybody else who was around you. And then they were healed. 
And here's what happened. Verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. Praising God with a loud voice, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him what? Thanks. Giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. I love how Luke did that. (laughs) Luke's like, I want to make sure you know he wasn't a Jew. He was a Samaritan. Why is that significant? Because a Samaritan was considered a half-breed that was not in the Abrahamic covenant. He was not a child of God. He would never be a child of God. He would be despised, rejected. They don't go near one another. A Jew and a Samaritan, ugh, that's how it was. So Luke wanted to make sure we knew who this, who this leper was. It was cleansed. He was a Samaritan. And he goes on, verse 17. And then Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed. Jesus knows how to do math, guys. I think he knows. We're not 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Verse 19. And he said to him, rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. So my question this morning is what can we learn from the leper? What can we learn from this one who is full of things? I want to give you three things and then we'll close this morning. We'll close. I think there are three things that we have to do. Three things that we learn. The first thing that we have to is we have to do this. We have to turn back to God in everything. Turn back to God in everything. When God blesses you, Is your first response to turn back to him and give thanks? Most of us, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Most of us would want to say yes. But is your first response when you get a new job is to go, Jesus, you're amazing. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to fall at your feet. I'm going to praise you with a loud voice. Or what about when you get pregnant because you've been wanting to, or you get that tax return and it's bigger than you wanted it to be, right? Or, or you get that bonus or you get into that school or you get a good grade, whatever it is, when God blesses you is your first response to turn back to him. Or is it to take credit and go, yeah, I know I studied hard. It was me. <laughs> because that becomes a problem. We have a habit. I'm just we, me included, have a habit of taking way too much credit. Come on, somebody. We have a problem of taking way too much credit for the way things happen. For for instance, let me me describe to you some parenting woes from Michelle and I and rejoicing and woes and rejoicing and woes. As we had parent-teacher conferences a, a couple months back and we went to the school and Parents, you know what I'm talking about. You're a little nervous because you don't know what the teacher's going to say about your kids, right? And your kids are a reflection of you. And like, God forbid if we're terrible parents. But, you know, you're there and you're like, oh gosh, I just hope, I hope they're a good, I hope they speak kindly to people. And I, like, you're, you're praying the whole way there. And we sit down with each teacher and we got a lot of teachers. We have five kids. So we had a lot of teachers to sit down with. And, and like, they start giving us great reports. Like, your children are wonderful. I'm like, yes. Like it's, it's working, you know. Um, and, and after each one, I walked out a little prouder than the last one, right? Walked out like, we're parenting awesome, high-fiving my wife, you know. Look at us, Team Reese. We're parenting like hardcore parenting. This is what we do, right? We're, we're like, each one, we walk out like, look how good parents. 
Yeah, next week was terrible. Can I just say that right now? We take way too much credit. And for you parents who take way too much credit, there are as many parents, if not more, who take way too much blame. We take way too much credit. And you know what happens is that when we take credit, it builds up in us pride. And you can't be prideful and thankful at the same time. Matter of fact, I heard Dr. Scott say it one time. I love the way he says it over at a Midtown campus. He has two PhDs. And so he's all into articles, writing different things. And I'm just like blown away at his knowledge. And he said this. He said, it's interesting because what happens is pride leads to plagiarism. And I said, Dr. Scott, what's plagiarism? Because I, I think I did a lot of that in school. Um, <laughs> he said, it's where you take credit for something you didn't create. And I was like, I, I'm so grateful. Let me just say this. I'm so grateful that I, I got to play football. I'm so grateful that I got to win a Super Bowl. I'm so grateful that I got to fall on a ball and people would call me a hero. Grown men still coming up to me crying 12 years later. And I just want to look at him and go, I fell on a ball. I didn't make it happen. I wasn't supposed to be there. I wasn't even supposed to play in the game that day. I wasn't supposed to recover the onside kick. That was Roman Harper. I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to do any of that. And so it would be easy for me to sit up here and go, I want it, y'all. <laughs> I fell on a ball. And it is all God's grace and God's goodness that gives us everything that we need. And many of us might be going, well, I'm self-made, Pastor Chris. You don't know what I went through. I started my own business, worked my way up. I got a brand new house. I got a new truck. I got everything. It is amazing. Listen to me. The right answer isn't I'm self-made. The right answer is no, the blood of Jesus bought me as a miracle from the devil. That's what happened. That I am saved by Jesus. Listen to me. I didn't find God. God found me. And when we start thinking that we did something for God, we begin to have pride. And once again, pridefulness and thankfulness cannot coexist. That's why we have to make sure we regularly turn back to give thanks to God, to give him all the credit. Because when we are thankful, it brings contentment. When we are thankful... Watch this. We are satisfied. Here's what Paul said. I'll show you here in Philippians 4. Paul said this. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. Here's what he says. For I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content. He's saying I've learned to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret. There's a secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Here's what he says. Philippians 4.13, we all have it. Some, some of us have it on our sneakers to jump higher and score more points. Or some of it have it in our cubicles where we can do good things, right? Okay, listen to me. This is not a verse for you, for you to fly and be successful. Watch this. Philippians 4.13 says this, for I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Guess what that is? He gives me strength to be content whether I'm high or whether I'm low. He gives me strength to be thankful whether I have plenty or I am in want and in need. 
We fool ourselves when we think of like, okay, can you, can you fly, Pastor Chris? I can. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. No, no, no. That's not what it's about. It's about being thankful. And when we're thankful and grateful and we turn back to God, it brings contentment. But the leper didn't just turn back to God. After that, here's what we have to do and here's what we have to learn from him. We have to, number two, praise the giver, not the gift. Praise the giver, not the gift. Once again, from the text, we can assume that all of them were cleansed. Jesus said, he said, we're not all 10 healed. He was like, I'm just making sure we're all 10 of y'all healed. And he's like, I don't know the answer. I guess so. We can assume that through the text, all of them were probably thankful for being healed. They were thankful that they got to go back into their life. They were thankful that they got, they were able to go hug their wives and their children. They were thankful that they were able to get a regular job. They were thankful for all of those things, all 10, listen to me. But only one was willing to turn back and to give praise to the giver and not just give praise for the gift. Here's what he did. Verse 15, then one of them said, he said he was healed. He turned back. And what did he do? Praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. I want you to remember that in the text, it says that they stood at a far distance and they pleaded with Jesus in a loud voice. But only one of them turned back and his praise matched his pleading. His praise matched his pleading. The rest of them were thankful for the gift, but they didn't come back praising the giver. You see, if we're pleading with God and by his mercy and grace, he gives us that very thing, that person, that healing, whatever it is, you better believe, listen to me, your praising better match your pleading. Your praising better match your pleading. And he came back. He shouted, have mercy on us in a loud voice. But it said he came back in a loud voice and he was praising God. And he didn't just praise God. He didn't fell at the feet of Jesus. Because what happens is that when you praise, watch this, you get closer to the feet of Jesus. When you begin to praise the giver and not the gift, you begin getting closer to the feet of Jesus. Because Pastor Jacob alluded to this last week. Gratitude isn't gratitude unless it's expressed. But we get caught up so much in the gift, we forget to thank the giver. We have this uh, rule in our house that at birthdays, Christmases, anytime our kids get presents, we make sure um, that they say thank you. Just like all hopefully good parents do. Like, what do you say? Thank you. But we make our kids do it before they open the present. It's a little weird and it's awkward to those people who are giving the gift. And they're like, they give it to them and they take it and they're like, Thank you, Nana, for the gift. They have no idea what it is, but they're just thanking them. And the reason that Michelle and I do that for our kids and we have trained them in the ways of the Lord is because we want them to value the giver, not just the gift. Because it's never really about the gift. Why? Because they're going to get that gift. They're going, it's awesome. Thank you so much for it. Let me get another one, All right? They're going to play with it for an hour, be super thankful and grateful, and then be ungrateful for what they don't have again. I mean, that's just like, 
I want to show them we value the relationship over what the relationship can give us. We want to value the giver more than the gift. And let me tell you this. God is way more important than anything he will give you in this life. Always. He is the ultimate giver. And as James 1 says, that every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from God. Let's give praise to the giver and not the gift. And finally, number three, here's where we're closing this morning. As we learn from the leper is that giving thanks changes me spiritually. I was wrestling with how to explain this, how to put this one into terms. Because the text says it here, here's how it is. In, in Luke chapter 17, the last verse in this story, verse 19 says this, and Jesus said to him, rise, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Well. Other versions say it's made you whole. But all versions agree that that word is actually saved. That word well is saved. So it's go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Has made you whole. Listen to me. Ten of them got healing, but only one of them got wholeness. Why, Pastor Chris? Because only one came back to God, praised him, and then received something that he could not get on his own. Because this story is not about physical healing. It's not about someone with a skin disease getting something that they asked for. It's not about getting these 10 lepers back into society. It's not about getting them right in front of the law of Moses so that they could get back with the priests and get back. It's not a, this is not a story of physical healing. This is a story of spiritual wholeness and healing from the one who turned back to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one who gave thanks. And when he gave thanks, Something changed in him. Can I just tell you, nothing's ever just physical. Some of you have gone through freedom, our freedom small groups, our freedom conferences in the next two weeks. And you know, at the end of the semester, small group semester, you go through this freedom where you're breaking off hurts, habits, and hangups. And this curriculum is amazing, but you get to the conference and it's a two-day conference. And all of a sudden God begins to just literally, you begin to cast off all of these things that are on you from your past. And it's amazing. And if you've been through it, I'm telling you, it's amazing. If you haven't, next semester, you need to go through it. But without fail, almost every single time, every single semester, that week leading up to freedom, everything goes wrong. See, all of y'all that are going through it are going, mm-hmm. car breaks down, kids get sick, boss, a little more annoying than normal, right? <laughs> Money gets tight. That bonus didn't come through. Friends start not, stop calling you. 
It feels like everything begins to go against you and you're going, this doesn't make any sense. And I heard the quote one time, if it doesn't make sense, listen to me, if it doesn't make sense in the natural, it's probably supernatural. And I I look at them every time and I tell the leaders, you need to let them know that the week leading up is going to be a hard week. Expect the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy everything in your life so you won't make it to that conference. He does not want you to be free. He does not want you to experience the identity that you have in Christ. He does not want you to be thankful for where you're at. He does not want you to experience a relationship with Jesus. It's never just physical. I'm never just saying thanks to God. It's doing something in me and to me that I can't even see. And when things don't make sense, I still can give thanks because it's doing something to me spiritually. I have a best friend eight years ago. Him and his wife were pregnant. And he texts me, hey, we're headed to the hospital. We're excited about this baby, rejoicing with him. A few hours later, he texts me, she's gone. We lost the baby. In that moment, my heart broke for him, for them. They got to spend a few hours with the baby before she passed. All of a sudden, and having a conversation with him a few days later, I'll never forget the conversation because looking back now, I, I understand what he was saying. He said, man, I know this sounds weird, but I'm thankful for the few hours I got to spend with her. I was blown away. Why would, listen to me, I was blown away. Do you think he felt like saying that at the time? Do you think he was thankful that his daughter was taken to heaven? No. But what I do know is he knew he had to say it. Because if he didn't, he was gonna go down a more darker hole than he ever imagined. But when he said thanks for the little time that he got, it did something to him spirit. It dug a deep well. And in that deep well, God began to put trust into that well that he could pull from. That in those times of doubt, he could begin to pull and drink from that well. He began to mature him and develop him spiritually because he began to give thanks in a time that didn't make sense. And it did something inside of him that he could not do on his own. That leper came back to the feet of Jesus. And yes, he was healed, but he got spiritually whole that day because he thanked God. And in that thanks, he left more alive than those other nine could have ever been. More healed than those other nine ever will be. Giving thanks does something to us. It changes us. 
I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know what God is, situation you're in, what God has allowed for you to go through. And if we had time and everybody told their story, we'd probably break everybody's heart. But I do know this one thing. My prayer for you today and this week, a regular practice of thanks begins to dig a well in you that you will always be able to pull from. It changes you. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you, God. Can you just just whisper that? Just thank you, God. Just whisper that just to yourself, whether you're watching online, whether you're right here in person, whether you're in one of our prisons, just thank you, God. We give thanks in all circumstance, God. We thank you, God. We thank you because you're a God who never fails. You're a God who always keeps your promises, Lord. And we believe that if it's not good yet, you're not done yet, God. The doctor may have said that the cancer has come back and it's worse, but we thank you, God, for the situation and the faith that you're building. We may not have gotten that job yet, God, but we thank you for the interviews that we've been on and the promises of a hope and a future. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, that we may not have had a baby yet, God, but we thank you that we get to work on their marriage first, God. We thank you. We thank you, God. Do something with our thanks that we cannot do on our own, Lord. And move in a way that we cannot even see, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. That as we fall at the feet of Jesus, you're pulling us close. You're ministering to our hearts. You're healing our hearts in a way that we could never ask or even imagine. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed this morning. For many of you in here, You've never really given thanks to God because you don't really have a relationship with God. The Bible calls it being born again. It's the way that we enter into a relationship with Jesus. And this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. The opportunity to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. Not yes to being perfect, but yes to walking with a perfect Savior. And learning how to give thanks in all circumstances. How do I do that, Pastor Chris? It's as simple as A, B, C. A, we just admit we're sinners in need of a Savior. B, believe that what Jesus did on the cross, it covered our past, present, and future sins. And C, we confess him as Savior. He saves us, and he confess him as Lord. He is Lord. He is boss over our lives. Today, you can be born again. You can enter into that relationship. It only happens one time. It's not about joining a church, becoming a member. It's not about being baptized or christened. Those are all great things. But that's not what it takes to have a relationship with Jesus. It's just saying yes. Saying yes. It only happens one time. Just like you're born once, you're only born spiritually one time. So I want to give you that opportunity this morning for anyone in here This is Pastor Chris, I want to be born again. What do I need to do? Well, in just a second, 
I'm going to count to three. And on three, I want you to raise your hand. And by raising your hand, I'm the only one looking. By raising your hand, you're declaring by faith. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's not your hand that saves you. It is your faith in Jesus that saves you. So if that's you in here, I'm going to pray a prayer at the end. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're all going to pray it together. But if that's you in here with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, on the count of three, if you're saying, Pastor Chris, include me in that born again prayer. I want to be born again today. I want to commit my life to Jesus. One, God brought you here for a reason. Two, he knew since the beginning of time you'd be sitting right here at OSC. And he wants you to come home. Three, I want you to raise your hand high. Wave it at me right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Last 10 seconds. If you raise your hand once, you don't ever have to raise it again. But if you're here this morning, I should have raised my hand, Pastor Chris. This is for you. I want you to raise your hand now. Anyone else? Join those 15. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, church, with all those hands that were raised this morning, let's say this prayer together. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe it on the cross. You took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go and rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from my sin to be born again. Say this with me. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give it up for all those who prayed that prayer this morning? Come on.